1: Baby, what you got yourself into, to? Well, it don't look good to me. And every turn is against you. Say, so baby, won't you come and see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, come on down to, Welcome the, back to the 512 land. edition
2: of Baldo Live, where my man Patrick Davis gets us local artists that he has highlighted and lets you know exactly where you can check them out. So Patrick, who is this?
0: This is Joe James, and he is playing Saturday at the
2: Skylark Lounge. The Joe James, you played him before, haven't you? I have you? played him before, yes. I thought so. This is a new track from him. Yeah. Came out, I believe, last week. This is that little funky, bluesy type. Or? Funky, bluesy, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, a I remember in there. that. I, lo- I remember that. Joe James, that's right. And where'd you say he's playing this weekend? Uh, he's playing Saturday at the Skylark Lounge. <laughs> Skylark Lounge, I like that a lot. And I kind of know where that is too. I mean, yeah, been out there. Been you been out, out there? in that area before? Been out that area before? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get right into it. The Celtics come back and put pressure on the Miami Heat. Not too much pressure because Jimmy Butler still believes that his team has it. But as you look at last night's basketball game and what they were able to do right away, they came out, the Boston Celtics came out and punched them right in the mouth and made it very, very difficult for them as they decided if they were going to be able to play 110 to 97. 110 to 97, the Boston Celtics went out there. And we were talking a lot about this. Boston believes that they have enough to turn this entire series around. They were down 3-0. Now it's back to 3-2. They're headed back to Miami. But Boston's got this energy about them that they honestly believe that they can be the one team that can break the jinx of being um, down 3-1 and be able to come back and win it all.
1: Yeah. Only 15 teams have forced a game 6 out of those 150 teams who were down 3-0. So, hell, they've already, you know, they've already kind of bro- broken through some of the odds and defied the odds. I think the biggest factors in these two teams and really their performances in games 1 through 3 as opposed to games 4 and 5 is really the three-point line. I mean, mm-hmm. the three-point line it really has been the biggest difference Uh, Boston now shooting 40% from three-point range or at least 40% from three-point range in the last two games. Uh, Prior to that, I mean, they were actually shooting around 29% in the first three games of this series. And then the Miami Heat, first three games of the series, they're shooting around 47.8% from three-point range uh, in the first three games. And they have cooled off significantly Since then, and I, to me, I think that's been one of the biggest factors in this matchup so far. And when the late, sorry, when the Celtics actually hit from three point range, I mean, they're right now 38 and two. When they hit at least 40% of their three-point shots, that has been the case the last two games. That's the reason that they led this entire game, never trailed not one time in the game. And even in the second half, hell, they led in the second half by at least 15 points for most of the second half until some garbage time scores for the Miami Heat. So they have all the momentum. There's no doubt about it. All the momentum right now is on the side of the Celtics. And the Miami Heat, man, it, even the the 23 three-point attempts that they took, uh, I believe fourth fewest in the game this season. Yep. Fewest since the All-Star break.
2: The largest lead of the game was 24 <laughs> points at one point. They I mean, aggressive. it was just, it, they were not aggressive. What? Miami was not aggressive, and Boston was very aggressive. And then you get two guys, Derek White and Marcus Smart, be able to go out there and go 10 of 14 from three-point land between those two, going 10 of 14. That is, a, that is a big, big change for what they were doing between those two guys in the backcourt. Uh,
1: yeah, no, I'm with you. And you go look at it. You know, no Gabe Vincent for Miami, so that hurt them initially because he's been really productive in this particular series, uh, averaging almost 18 points per game, 58% from the field, and shooting 50% from three-point range. Uh, So that was a big factor, too. And, you know, I think the uh, Eric Spolstra quote is, we are him and he is us, uh, talking about how this team has adopted the personality of Jimmy Butler. And he's right. Jimmy Butler only had 10 shots. He wasn't aggressive at all. And the team was not aggressive at all. He had, he'd end up with 14 points. He was 5 of 10, um, but only three isolation plays. When, when Jimmy is isolating, that means Jimmy's aggressive. When Jimmy's not uh, isoing out, then Jimmy's not trying to be aggressive. Jimmy's in attack mode. He wants to iso guys, and then he wants to eviscerate them one-on-one. He did not do that. He had three isolation plays the entire game this guy that was averaging over 18 iso isolation plays in the first four games of the series.
2: Yeah, that's Jimmy's style. I mean, but for me too, he wasn't as he wasn't that guy where he was taking over the game. I'm talking about loose loose rebounds. He's normally a guy that you would always find around the ball. There's another guy that's playing defense physically playing some good defense where he's impeding their progress to the basket, but he's also stealing Mm -hmm. the ball. He wasn't doing that. He just seemed like at one point he was like, all right, I'm going to go ahead and chalk this one up. I mean, he he kept fighting, but he wasn't playing like Jimmy Butler, and that's what I was hoping for, and I kept talking about it. I kept saying, hey, this is where Jimmy's going to shut them down, might go for 60. Nope, he did not. He did not. He need, and that was the problem that I saw with this team. Now, here's the other part of it. He gives us the information that he believes that they're going to be able to win this. But most importantly, he needs those guys on the bench to believe that as well. When you look at what Kyle Lowry was able to do, nothing. Kyle Lowry was somebody that was an integral part of the success in the pre- previous rounds. He didn't give them anything. We were talking about Max Strudis and and uh, Bam Adebayo. Where are those other players that were
1: giving them some love early? They weren't all being the same at that level either. Yeah, Bam Adebayo probably had his one of his worst games. He had 16 points, but he had six turnovers. Yeah. Uh, and as a team, um, Miami ended up with 16 total turnovers. Bam Adebayo had six of them. Nine of those 16 turnovers the team had were in the second half. But more importantly, Thirteen live ball turnovers, mm-hmm. um, and the reason that's big, Miami having thirteen live ball turnovers. Live ball turnovers help you get out in transition because the Celtics in the first four games of the series they were actually mi- they were actually minus fourteen. Yep, in live ball turnovers, so they were actually getting whipped in live ball turnovers. Now the flip, uh, the script has flipped, excuse me, and it's been for live ball turnovers and for three-point shots and for the three-point uh, uh, effectiveness and efficiency, both of those stats have flipped in favor of the Celtics in the last two games. And the Miami Heat were dominating, dominating the three-point shooting and dominating in live ball turnover differential in the first three games. So somehow Miami's got to find a way to to flip that back. And do, that's going to be tough.
2: Do you think they can? Because that's the other part of it. I sit here – and I'm listening and I believe in them. That's why I keep saying, I believe this is over. I believe this is over. But am I starting cause if you watched the game last night and you looked at their bench as the game was coming to an end well, it was even halfway through the fourth quarter, their bench looked defeated. They looked perplexed. Mm-hmm. They didn't they were like, How is this happening? And we're not getting again. You're not getting those second-chance buckets. You're not getting the the loose ball rebounds. You were talking yeah. about the turnovers. Well, they're not even getting to those balls that they were once doing. So that's the part that I was looking at, and I was looking at that bench. And I still believe in Spolster, and I believe that Jimmy will have his crew ready to go. But as a player, do you now start getting that doubt in your mind? Mm. Are you? Are, is this happening to us? Are we going to be that one team? Are you thinking about all this stuff or are you like, you know what? One bad game, I'm good. I'm good. Because the other games, I mean, you brought it up yesterday that some of these games aren't even close. No, one in the losses over in the other one in the West, those losses were close. These when the, when a team loses, they lose.
1: Yes, yeah, been uh you're right. <laughs> it's it's been going back and forth, but you're right when a team wins, they win in commanding fashion. Yeah. Uh, and Celtics, you know, Celtics have had double-digit leads in four of the five games. Mm-hmm. Think about that: four yeah. of the five games, they've had double-digit leads. I gave the stat, that's why
2: they keep getting favored.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I gave the stat <laughs> yesterday. The Celtics, the Celtics in the regular season, were 13 games better than the Miami Heat were in the regular season. That's the largest differential for the 151 teams that have been down 3-0. Miami had the worst regular season win percentage for a team with a 3-0 series lead in a best-of-seven series. So we have just not seen this before, and I wonder now if we're starting the regression to the mean where – you had you know Miami shooting 48% from three-point range. They right. were playing really, really well, playing at an extremely high level. Jimmy Butler was playing like the best player in the playoffs. He was. You're talking about Savage. Jokic or LeBron. He was like the best player in the playoffs. And now Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler is still elite uh, in my opinion. He still can um, obviously you know take the team and put, him, put the team on his back. But he had his lowest point total of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. With 14 points. Yeah. That, like I said, he had three isolation plays the entire game. This guy's averaging 18. <laughs> that was a different Jimmy. Yeah. That, text, that text wasn't him. That, that wasn't him. That wasn't him. Texas says, y'all sound like a sign for the episode. I know. We talk a lot about Jimmy. <laughs> we haven't said Jimmy this much since the 49ers were in the Super Bowl versus Kansas City, and we kept talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo. And we just said Jimmy. But now yeah. we'll people say Jimmy G with him. With Jimmy Butler, it's just Jimmy. Uh, okay, can we hear from Jimmy? Can yeah, we can hear we need from Jimmy. This is Jimmy Butler in the postgame being asked about losing the last two games and how the uh, Miami Heat are going to bounce back. Here's Jimmy.
0: Jimmy, your guys are still leading 3-2. You have a home game to close it out. What's the sense after being up 3-0, then losing two in a row by a combined 30 points in the locker room from you? What's the mindset now where the
2: series stands? We just got to play better, um, start the games off better on the starters, um, make it more difficult for them. They're in a rhythm since the beginning of the game, but we're always going to stay positive knowing that we can and we will win this series, um, and we'll just have to close it out at home.
0: Jimmy, to follow up on that, why is it that your confidence and the
2: group's confidence remains so high given the way the last two games unfolded? Because the last two games are not who we are. It, it, it just happened um, to be that way, and we stopped playing defense halfway because we, we didn't make shots that we want to make. But that's easy to We just got to come out and play harder from jump. So, like I always say, um, it's going to be all smiles. We're going to keep it very, very, very consistent, knowing that we are going to win the next game.
1: There you go. Twice. He called his shot twice. Yeah, he, he did. said we are going to win the next game. I believe Jimmy. It's I. I, I can't. You in on it? Yeah, I'm not gonna listen, I'm not gonna doubt Jimmy like that, man. Jimmy playoff. Jimmy, himmy, The Butler, whatever the butler, you want to call him. Yeah, the Butler um, did it. I don't think he's ever. Right? I don't <laughs> think he's guaranteed. A win in the playoffs that I can remember. Uh, That guy with the competitive sickness, people are now, you know, basically there's a conspiracy theory that Mm -hmm. Michael Jordan's lost son, Jimmy Butler, because he's showing that type of will and that type of uh, testicular fortitude on the court. I'll go with Jimmy Butler in game six. Plus, I mean history and just the numbers on your side at 150 teams have been down 3-0 and none of them ever in NBA history have been able to come back and win those series.
2: That is the part right there.
1: I think I,
0: well I think we know what it is. Jimmy wanted to have a big party Saturday night in Miami. (laughs) I told you. And he was like, you know what? We can't do that. If we do this now, then I gotta like start resting up. But if we win the game on Saturday night, coach (laughs) is gonna let us go out and party it up on Saturday night in Miami. So I just gotta cut, you know, I sandbag sandbagging for a couple games.
2: Memorial weekend. <laughs> oh, that's a big weekend. Folks yeah. in town. Okay. All right. Hey, what you doing this weekend? Are we going to be in Miami? Well, we're going to have a party with Hemi. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay, so the first theory was that he wanted to win it in Boston. <laughs> yep. To throw it, throw in, it in the in face of yeah. all the Boston in fans. And now, after having his lowest output... Offensively, of the sea, sorry, of the postseason, we believe now he just wants to party in South Beach. And if you win on Saturday, then coach is not gonna get on you for having a party on Saturday. But if you went on, yeah, you win during the weekend, party on Saturday, coach be like, come on, Jim. Yeah, you went on Thursday and (laughs) then you show up
0: to practice on Sunday all hungover. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's good. He's like, oh man. Okay. No. I guess we gotta find out if he's actually having a party in Miami.
0: Well, I mean, Mm -hmm. he ain't gonna tell
2: nobody until (laughs) it's over.
1: (laughs) Party at this club? Yeah,
2: exactly. He'll
0: be on the
1: floor saying (laughs) it. No, I don't just. uh, I I think that the Miami insiders
2: are already telling him, "Hey, guys, (laughs) Jimmy said that there's gonna be a party here. He had to get clearance, so we already know." Tell your boys.
0: No one tell Duncan Robinson. (laughs) (laughs)
1: There's always that one guy you don't want to come. How about this little factoid? The Heat and the Celtics have played each other in three. Of the four uh, past Eastern Conference Finals. So, three of the past four Eastern Conference Finals, these two teams have faced off and the Celtics won every game 5 by exactly 13 points. It was a 13-point margin in each of the previous game 5s when they met up in the Eastern Conference Finals in the last 4 years. Mm. 121 to 108, 93 to 80 and 110 to 97. Mm. And Heat went on to win game six of each of those two. Already. So take that how you will. <laughs> I don't know what that means. That's a, that's a weird, freaky stat, though. Um, okay. there's a, Actually, we, we got a couple, I got this Jalen Brown sound we should play real quick. It, yeah. it won't take a little time. But it does show you how, I'm going to say cocky, but it shows you how confident that the Boston Celtics are starting to become. Now they've made this a series again at 3-2 after being down 3-0. Here is uh, Jalen Brown in the postgame.
2: Tonight we were the tougher playing team. Um, we the team set this on from start to finish, and uh, we had a great team win. We hit shots, and they let us get two. Uh, so don't let us get another one.
1: Don't let them get another one. Come on, man. He's right though. He's feeling that. Don't let us get another. Don't one. let us get another one. He's right because they get another one. Then I don't know if I can pick him. If he, if they win game six, if Boston wins game six and three in a row, yeah. They haven't won. Th- I don't. I gotta look at my notes. Boston had won three in a row in a while. <laughs> yeah. I remember they. They hadn't won three in a row in the playoffs. They hadn't won three straight in the playoffs yet. So it would be the first time they've won three straight in the playoffs if they win game six. And the last time they won four straight before the All-Star break.
2: Well, here's the thing, too. you got to remember, this is a team that at the very beginning of the year was one of the best teams in basketball. We saw that. They went on runs. They went on runs. They went on runs. They finally figured it out. They understood each other's role. They got on their run. Well, now – they're they're trying to find that groove again, and it is something to pay attention to because like you said, this has been convincing beatdowns.
1: They they know something. Yes. They they believe they found something with this Miami team. And hopefully Miami can have the bounce back. But Jimmy Butler guaranteeing a win. Mm-hmm. I love it. That's yep. great job. Joe drama. Willie Namath style.
2: That's exactly what you feel like. Wasn't right? that game played in uh Miami too? Oh,
1: that's a good question. Wasn't that Super Bowl that's a play Craig, down You might south? be right about that. That's a nice little factor you got there. I think it might there. be. Good job, hard on that one. Um, could be way off. Be- <laughs> hey, you sound right. I did. You should just say I it confidently. Sound, I, no, I tried to. Yeah, no. Only Craig <laughs> Wade would call you out. Um, okay, uh, we're going to get to the break here. Uh, there are some um, rankings that I wanted to get to. Yep. I don't know if we'll get to it in the 6 o'clock because the DeAndre Hopkins story is basically going to take up that entire segment. So I want to get to the GM rankings, head coach rankings, and quarterback rankings from three different publications and we'll discuss where the cowboys and the texans rank on these listings uh but also we'll talk about um who are at who are the top of these rankings and what we can learn from that all that and more right here on ball don't lie i want to put the hall.
2: mad as hell
1: and i'm not gonna take this anymore find out what happens when people stop
2: being
0: polite start getting real you ain't keeping it real oh my god okay it's happening everybody
1: stay calm what's
2: oh what's you've got it now it's time for rod's oh. rant of the day hold on to your butt
1: all right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Uh, it's time for Raj Rant of the Day. and I got a couple of uh, rankings that I want to get to. Uh, different publications came up with rankings for quarterback, for head coach, and for general manager in the NFL. and I want to get you guys' thoughts and uh, just kind of break down some of these lists a little bit and talk about whether the Texans and the Cowboys are on this list. Let's start with the top of the Holy Trinity, the Holy Pyramid of the NFL as I call it. You're going to get your GM at the top of the Pyramid. Then you got your head coach, and you need your quarterback. That's if you figure out that holy trinity right there. That's eighty percent of your eighty percent of the work to end up being a competitive football team. But you got to figure that out. And that's as an owner. That's your job as an owner. So start with the let's start with the GMs. All right, start with the GMs first, and then we'll work our way to head coach and then to quarterback. All right. So where do you where do you think they have Jerry Jones, Harch on this list of all? 30, I think they have 31 GMs on here because, you know, some guys are owners and GMs. Um, so, yeah, uh, and then they had the new hires. They didn't rank all the new hires. So I think they, put, they ranked 30 of them because they didn't okay. want to rank the new hires either. And by the way, y'all know who we're at 30? Nick Casario. I was going to say, it was got to be your guy, right? Nick Casario's at 30. And you know what? I don't blame him for that. I, don't, I know it sounds crazy, but I'm not mad at him for putting Nick Casario at 30. Yeah, he's got to prove that he's worthy of being ranked higher than that. Listen, Nick Casario is the only GM in history. Remember, I told you guys this. He's the only GM in the history of the NFL to be allowed to keep his job after firing two one-and-done coaches. Mm, Yep. Every other GM in history who has has had two back-to-back one-and-done coaches, Mm -hmm. they're also fired. Why wouldn't they be? You're obviously bad at picking head coaches. But for Nick Casario, it is a little different. I get it. I'm a Casario fan, but I will admit he has uh, kind of stumbled and bumbled his way through the first couple of years here. And this draft that he just – this draft that he went all in on, he's got to hit hard. And if he don't hit, he 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 gone. He gone. He gone. He gone. Yeah. Gone, baby gone.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gone, baby gone. Gone, baby gone. I like that. I like that. And I agree with you. And you asked me where I thought Jerry Jones would be. I would say somewhere in the middle of the pack. Okay. I would say
1: give me a give me a, give me a number I'm I'll just to gonna you. go 15 all right Patrick what you think Jerry Jones GM rankings what would you rank him? or what do you think they ranked him this is NBC Sports Edge by the way
0: so with Casario being that low I think they're going to count him and I think they're going to look at it as they're going to not give him credit for Will McClay and Steven Jones so I think they're going to put him at 25
1: oh that's really low
0: just because people hate Jerry Jones. Yeah, they
1: do. That's a good point. And they did say Jerry. They did not say Will McClay. They say Jerry Jones and Steven Jones. But you're right. right. Will McClay is the personnel man. And So he should be higher. They should be higher. They're, they're at 12. Okay. okay. So Honestly, I was good. I at 15. They, the Cowboys should be in the top 10 here. I know this sounds crazy for people. I,
0: I don't disagree recently. If we're saying saying the last couple of years, I'm with you.
1: Their reputation is hurting them, but you look at since Will McClay's taken over, they they draft the best of any team in the NFL in the first round the last 10 years, right? And they're the most homegrown team in the NFL because Mm -hmm. they rely, almost they're overly reliant on the draft to build their team. And they've been really damn good at the draft. And a lot of your job as GM is to draft. That's yes. a ton of your job as GM That as a is draft. a lot of your job, and and to win games. And the Cowboys have been winning games. I mean, they're winning double digit games. So they got him at twelve. I do think that's fair. They got the, like I said, the Texans. They got Nick Casario at thirty. I don't listen. He should be right there at thirty until he proves that he is basically this neck this up this past draft. If he proves that those moves that he made um, were savvy moves and gonna pay dividends for the Texans, then he'll rise fast up those rankings. But Guys, there's a chance those moves don't pay off, and if either one of those guys turns out to be a huge bust, especially the the Will Anderson pick, uh, that's going to come back to Hunt them.
0: Well, and if they if either one of those is a big bust, and they have a bad year, meaning they lose that pick next year, to and you've you got a bust, and you have now lost a number two, number three pick yeah. in the draft, that's going then be it. it's like, well. So now you hurt your chances next year. You missed on this one.
1: Screwed up the tank. So yeah. That's why you didn't get it. And this is all goes back to Casario. Yes. Yeah. So I'm re- that, that's why it's big, man. Remember, according to ESPN Analytics, approximate value-based draft pick, um, their valuation tools, the Texans and Casario committed the second biggest overpayment of draft capital for a non-quarterback in the past 20 drafts. And
2: that was for Will Anderson?
1: Yeah, that's when they yeah, traded yeah, up. Yeah. Only Julio Jones' trade was bigger. Oh, a, a bigger overpayment for a non-quarterback, I should say, for a non-quarterback. Okay. okay. Uh, so those are, and by the way, top of the GMs. Y'all want to guess, yeah, we, yeah, everybody can guess who the number now, one now GM we'll, is.
0: We will say, all reports were they wanted Will Anderson and then v- traded back up for C.J. Stroud. But because they had to draft CJ Stroud first because the payment was going to be higher if they didn't. That's true. That, so yeah. technically it's, you could yeah. say it may have been for a quarterback. They just had to do it in a two, three way, but
1: they had to do it in a Texans way. Yes. <laughs> Where it kind of made sense. Uh Howie Roseman, top GM in the NFL. None mm. of us disagree. I mean, he's he's fantastic. Uh they got they got Brett Veach at number two for the I Chiefs. I will take that. I've often said that. They got John Lynch and the 49ers at three. And you know why that is that, that does make sense because they don't even have a quarterback and yet have still been to One the, the best Super Bowl teams in the NFC. <laughs> yeah, to the Super Bowl. Yeah, they've been changing quarterbacks already and still getting there. Uh, they got uh number four, Brandon Bean for the Bills. Uh they got, ooh, they, I like got that. they got Duke Tobin uh from the Bengals at number five. He and had
2: a great, he's been having great he drafts. Is, that's true. And Les, they built the program.
1: Les Sneed from the Rams at six. Uh they got uh Belichick for the Patriots at seven. Brian Gutkoost for the Packers at eight. John Schneider for the Seahawks is too low. He had nine. He's too low. I, I the draft he that. just had last year. And I'm still trying and, to and figure out why just, is Belichick still up there. And they just won the Russell Wilson trade, and it ain't even close. Right. Give that man his flowers. Uh, Belichick's there because Belichick has won five, six Super Bowls. So, well, five Super Bowls, right? But he's been That's pedestrian why. without Brady. Hey, man, it don't matter. You, when you hit, you hit. <laughs> yeah, but I'm like, are we your going? Head, head. Are we going? Your head, your head. Hot as uh, now. Yeah, we are. All right, let's go to the uh, the rankings of the head coaches here next, um, and then we'll get to the quarterback. So, and that was by NBC Sports says the head coach rankings are by the 33rd team, 32 team, the other 33rd team. You get it? Uh, and they're like a kind of an NFL uh, based website. They and this is Ross Tucker, um, who you guys know about. He does work for NFL.com. He ranked all the head coaches in the NFL. At the top, he's got Andy Reid. And he's got Belichick at two, so to your point, Hart, Belichick's still getting props. That's what Whether I'm Whether like, you like it or not, they're like, hey, man, look, like, come you got on. that many Super Bowls, you're going to stay at the top of the, the coaching ladder no matter yeah, what. Yeah. Uh, but Andy Reid is at the top of his profession right now. He is the top coach.
2: And he's got the top quarterback, so that's going to yeah. keep you up there.
1: Uh, they got Mike Tomlin at three. They got Sean Payton at four for the Broncos. Nick Sirianni at five. Kyle Shanahan at six. I probably would've put Shano ahead of Nick Sirianni.
2: Well, I wanna see what uh, Sirianni does this year.
1: Yeah, exactly. And they yep. got Sean McVay at seven. I'd put Sean McVeigh and Shano ahead of Sirianni. Mm-hmm. Right? Spelly, I'm with you, Hard. If you're going off what is recent and recency bias a little bit, then okay, then drop Belichick down. Exactly. <laughs> if that's what yeah. we're, we're doing. If so yes. Belichick drops down, then. My but, point, exactly. So, I, it, it, yeah, it's a little We're, mixed we're also going to
0: see a lot with Sirianni uh, when losing an OC and a DC. Right. That's what if, I'm saying.
2: Like, let's see how good of a coach he really is yeah. this year where he has WB. to go out there and go shop for new groceries. I
0: like,
1: yeah. I like Nick Sirianni for the record, I, think, I think he's going to be great. I think he
0: might got credit, too, because of the downfall of Frank Reich. I think they give him credit for yeah, some of that offense as well.
1: That's a good point, too. Uh, Brian Dable is at 8. Love me some Brian Dable. He's mm-hmm. a damn good ball coach. Pete yes. Carroll at 9. Probably Pete Carroll probably should be a little bit higher.
0: Uh, yeah, after the Russell Wilson <laughs> exactly. Dino Smith thing.
1: <laughs> he avoided the Russell Wilson he uh, traded mess. Off,
0: he traded off Russell Wilson, who everybody was like, well, I guess they're in the Rebo mode, and then made the playoffs.
1: And then they had one of the best rookie classes in yeah. recent memory. So they, they started a ton of rookies. I'm with you. Pete Carroll should be higher. Uh, they got Doug Peterson at 10. I love me some Doug Peterson, though. No, I'm a big i big fan. I think that's right around where he should be. Yeah. Uh, they, they got John Harbaugh too low. He's at 11. John Harbaugh should be in the top 10. John about the yep. top 10 coach in the league. That's that's crazy. They For got, sure. Yeah, they got Zach Taylor at 12, uh, Mike Vrabel at 13. They got Mike McDaniel, though, at 14. I like Mike McDaniel, too, though. I do think he's going to be a hell of a coach, man. Yeah. He's just cocky and arrogant about it. They just mm-hmm. had injuries. They just had it, And now that defense, they got uh, Vic Fangio. Ooh. Yeah, that's, that's, that's more scary. scary. That's going to be you scary. You just let him and
2: He could just be like, All right, I don't have to worry about the defense. Really.
1: Right. I got a defensive head coach. He's a, a former head coach, I too. got a
2: head coach that's running my defense. Yeah, I'm with yeah. you. That,
1: that's a scary proposition. Uh i would say this about head coaches and I've always had a formula this is a formula I've had for probably 10 years now that if I was a GM how would I hire a coach right where would I start what would be my criteria if I was a GM and I came up with the Belichickian theory um, looking at Bill Belichick even though I know he's falling off a little bit uh, but what made Bill, Bill Belichick so unique was that Bill Belichick had expertise at the NFL level coaching every phase of the game offense, defense and special teams special teams coach was a wide receiver coach for Detroit play, coach defense of course and I do believe that gave him a, a more encompassing knowledge of how to construct a team from the ground up and from the top down, help you coach the coaches, and it just helps you have a like I said, more expansive, informed uh, opinion on how to build a football team because you know about all three phases. There are three phases in the game, and yet most coaches only have expertise in one. Most of my expert expertise in one. When I look down NFL now, I look at coaches who fit my Belichickian theory, a coach who has coached at the college or the pro level in more than one phase of the game. I got nine of them. Arthur Smith, John Harbaugh, Shane Steichen now, Bill Belichick, Brian Dabo, Robert Sella, Nick Sirianni, Mike Tomlin, Pete Carroll. Disproportionately, the best coaches in the NFL are Belichickian. They only account for nine of the 32 coaches. But there are six Super Bowl winning head coaches in the league right now. Four of them are Belichickian. Four of them. Three of the top five on this list. Five of the top ten on this list. Six of the top 11. Only three of the nine are outside the top 11. The Belichickian coach is the way to go. And I know it doesn't always work out way. I was just way. about to say, because we just out. saw
2: Patricia and Joe Judge be a part of that, where they were learning to play, coach another position. And I say it always not works, but it works, it
1: works more often than the other way. And disproportionately, I'm giving you the numbers, they're disproportionately more successful than their peers, who are not Belichickian, ain't even close. So for, coach who, for GMs who don't have any recipe or any criteria if I'd hire a coach, I'm giving you a place to start at least. Uh, to we start there.
0: We can say Bobby Sloak, the new offensive coordinator for the Texans, also, started as a defensive assistant. Yes. So that is somebody yeah. who falls into that range. Yeah. so It helps
1: you build game plans. Yes. If, you, if you've only seen defense your whole life, then how are you going to build a game plan and construct a game plan on how to stop an offense you know nothing about offense? It right. helps you to have some experience on knowing how the other side wants to exploit and how they want to attack you. And these coaches, they know. They can go into defensive meeting room, go into special meeting room, and actually know what the hell they're talking about as opposed to being ignorant to the entire phase of the game. Yep. I'm telling you, man, it, 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 it don't lie. The numbers don't lie. they right there in front of you. Uh, let's get to the, the quarterback list here. Um, okay, so the quarterbacks were ranked by Pro Football Focus. You know, they do their thing. Uh, they got Patrick Mahomes, number one. Got Josh Allen, number two. Uh, they got Joe Burrow, number three. Um, they got Justin Herbert number four, Aaron Rodgers number five, Lamar Jackson six, Jalen Hurts at seven, Trevor Lawrence at eight, Kirk Cousins nine, and Dak Prescott at ten. They mm-hmm. do have that, Dak Prescott as a top ten quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, as I go down the list to see where the Texans' Davis Mills would be, oh. or C- oh CJ Stroud. Sorry, they got CJ Stroud at thirty. So that makes sense though. They got all yeah. the rookies at really low, so they don't know. Wait, who wait so who's eleven go. though? Uh, 11 is Tua. Tua, okay. They got Tua right behind Dak Prescott. I, Matthew
2: Stafford is 12, okay. and Deshaun Watson is 13. Okay.
1: Yeah, I'm not opposed to Dak being considered to be a top-10 quarterback. The problem with Dak right now, and I don't think it's a, a big, huge issue, is I, my, and, and more so than the turnovers, Dak is not turnover-prone. You go look at Dak's numbers throughout the years, he's been a very, very low-risk, high-reward quarterback. I don't think last year um, is an indicator of that changing. I am worried about his inability to close, though. There were times in those games last, in that game last year against the 49ers, and we've seen it even in previous years in the playoffs where Dak is given the ball with plenty of time left on the clock and the game within one score. And he's asked to put his cape on and go down there and put his team in the end zone in playoff time, in clutch time, and he just didn't do it. Yeah, he's going to get a lot he's going to be just an opportunity
2: right now because of the yeah. fact of the running game and what uh, Mike McCarthy was talking mm-hmm. about. I've talked about it numerous times, you've brought it up. When you do play action, he's a lot better. When you have ability to make it look like a run, he's better. When you have him just straight dropping back, it's a problem. So they're going to have to figure out what is going to work best. As you said in the numbers, it's right there for you. Go with the numbers. Go and see what exactly what he's doing and then make the move from there. But now here's the other part of it. You've got somebody that can stretch the field with Brandon Cooks. you got somebody that can be that possession receiver for you, um, um, C.D. Lamb. And then you also have Gallup, where they've already said they're going to use him in multiple ways. You bring in a Deuce Vaughn. You got Cavante Turpin, and you got Tony Pollard. All you got to do is get the ball in the playmaker's hand and give them them yak yards where you don't have to make all the big plays, and we'll see what happens from there.
1: One thing I have always said about Dak, because I'm a big Dak fan, most uh, people listening are not necessarily Dak fans, but I'm a Dak fan. But I will admit, and I've said this before, uh, about my quarterbacks when I – Pick out a quarterback, or just like if I'm a GM, right? Uh, trying to hire a head coach, I gave you my formula. My formula for picking out quarterbacks: I gotta find something in your skill set that separates. What is your X-man ability? What do you do as well, if not better than everybody else, all of your peers? And I'll admit, when you look down this list, you know Patrick Mahomes, ultimate comeback kid. I mean, he's his ability to just kind of go thermonuclear. Uh, no lead is safe with that dude. He's a supernova. Josh Allen, arguably best dual a quarterback in the NFL, equally dangerous as a runner and a passer. Joe Burrow, probably the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. And he's got a ton of the clutch gene. Um, Aaron Rodgers, got the golden arm. Lamar Jackson, most explosive athlete to ever play quarterback. Jalen Hurts, he's like the ultimate leader, right? He's got that dog in him, everybody always says, right? There And, and, and maybe the same thing about Dak Prescott. Maybe it's leadership and intangibles with him. But when you're looking at his physical skill set, there isn't any elite quality to build around. Which is why I think the Cowboys are now regressing back to, let's run the ball. Let's run the ball. That's where we should be. Dak is a quality quarterback. I'm not saying he's not. But the elite trait that separates him from everybody else. What's his X-man ability? Name it. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. I don't know if he has a serious liability in his skill set. But what's the strength? What's the one thing that he does better than everybody else? That's what makes you part of an elite quarterback is, is figuring out what that is. And I don't know if the Cowboys have really figured it out or if cultivated or if he has that. And maybe now that's why we're going into a more well rounded formula for Dak, which is let's get back to running the football, play action passes, Harsh mentioned. Let's get back to him uh, not having so much of a burden to carry this offense yep. week after week. Defense, run game, ball control that's how we win games. Dak it contributes to that. It's not built around Dak. Right so we don't need big Dak energy every weekend because you can't count on big Dak energy every weekend.
2: As long as he continues to win and and mm. put up good numbers in that division, you're going to have a chance to get to that next mm. level. But to your point,
1: you have to be able to win at the next level so people get off your back. Get off your back. Uh, someone said, I, I would call throwing interceptions a weakness. Dak, his... His turnover rate increased this year exponentially or this past season. Yep. But, guys, go look since he's been in the NFL. He's actually one of the least turnover-prone quarterbacks in the league. Thank I you. would not lie to you guys about numbers. You know that. I'll give you the numbers next segment. But he's, he's not one of those guys. If he does it again this year, then something, something's off. Right? Yep. He's, he's regressing. He's going off the tracks. But he's not been that player. I don't expect him this year to all of a sudden change his character as a quarterback.
2: Not at all. All
1: right, we come back. We'll get into uh, a little bit more off the record. Right here on Baltimore Live, not nine Don't lie, right here on 1049 The Horn. It is a 5 1 2 Friday. That's my man Patrick, uh, plays jams from local bands and all this. Very talented human beings that you have a chance to catch live right here in the ATX. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick? This is
0: Easy Compadre, and they are playing Saturday at the Far Out Lounge, part of a benefit for the Sims Foundation.
1: Oh, I like that. There you go. Um, Always for a good cause. That's always a great thing. If you missed any part of the uh, suggestions for 512 Friday, uh, just go to hornfm.com, and Patrick posts them up there for you. Um, You can always be a part of the show. Spec text line is the best place to do it. 512-337-3776. We don't have a ton of time here for Off the Record, uh, but I'll just share a couple stories that I thought were interesting. So Ja Morant, he, we saw that he decides to leave social media in a very dramatic fashion. Uh, they actually did a welfare check on him. They were so worried about Ja Morant and his dramatic exit from social media. Well, they, the Nike did indeed release the Ja Morant signature shoe. Apparently. They, the Ja One Hunger.
2: Mm-hmm. It's a pretty nice looking shoe.
1: They sold out of
2: it. Yeah. Yeah. Immediately. Within minutes. Yeah. Immediately. <laughs>
1: You know what it reminds me of? When rappers go to jail.
2: Yeah, we, all their albums go up <laughs> <Yeah>. in sales.
1: <laughs> like, like, an artist like dies, or get yeah. shot or something else yeah. like that. That that drama that's associated with it, um, and sometimes the tragedy associated with it. Unfortunately, yeah. it ends up increasing the marketability of the star. And yeah, th- this has actually increased his marketability because people believe he's uh, a troubled yet talented soul. And I don't know if it's his
0: marketability so much as everybody's like, oh, this could very easily be his only signature shoe. Oh, uh, that's fair too. We we think this could be a collector's item because we think. They could pull it off the shelf so they could never re-release things like this. They could take it away because he's a guy that could get himself in enough trouble that Nike's like, all right, we got to step away from you. So if we have the only John Morant ever, then it's worth more money. So let's go buy them all and then put them in a box in their closet.
1: I guess the same thing happens like when a rapper goes to jail or gets shot or something. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know what? just downloaded increased. some of that music yeah, right now. Exactly. Yeah, it's always, what's,
0: a, what's the episode of Seinfeld where he's hoping that the guy gets the sick and dies? With, yeah, with
1: the, because the he has part, his art. The triangles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're right. That's exactly, I mean, I, what it is. hopefully it is not that, but that's kind of what it reminds me of. I should say, hopefully it is not that at all. Hopefully mm-hmm. everything with John ja Morant works out. And we still don't know about John ja Morant's suspension. Right. Like yeah. Adam Silver's really contemplating this thing. So he is. He's definitely going to suspend him long enough where he's going to miss too much time to qualify for the All NBA team.
2: Because that's what happened this year. Yeah.
1: It, it, well, cause exactly. It happened this yep. year. It's definitely yep. going to happen yep. next year. Yeah. Yep. What What is that? If he misses, what is it, 18 games? Yeah, because he was
2: only suspended, what, eight this year? But
0: yeah. He had injuries. He had injuries part of and that. And that's too. part of
1: how load management is going. Every player in the NBA is going to miss ten games for load management. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you? So you base those seventy-two. He's definitely going to miss another what twelve from the suspension.
2: Yep. yep. Easily twelve to yep.
1: fifteen. He's not going to make All NBA just because of that next year. He's, Strong cost possibility himself of it. Some more money.
2: Yep. God. And more money, more Man, action. That's crazy. A lot of it.
1: Yeah. All right. So that's going to
0: post more vague booking. I didn't know you could vague book on, uh, on Instagram, but he found a way to do that. You know when you get that, when you see somebody post something yeah. and you were like, look, I don't know you well enough to ask but I, I just want to know I don't want to talk to you about this I don't want to be a helpful hand at all <laughs> I just want to watch the drama from afar <laughs> but could you just tell me because you're like some friends are real backstabbers and you know who you
1: are Like yeah. none of us know who this is Nobody yeah. tell us <laughs> yeah. say real no cryptic. names at least give us a better clue <laughs> and your clues what, are terrible what happened what happened <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, people always do that uh, and I, I I can't stand it I'm always interested though and I'm like I'm not going to you're inquire like, what them. is yeah. it I'm not what going to is inquire it? yeah. Yeah. It's, like,
0: it's like a trailer for a show and you're like I'm not going to watch the show (laughs) tell me what happens is
1: there ever somebody close to you you go is that me yeah, all, Is that me? Is that me? I'm
2: like, is he talking they're to like, me?
1: like, real friends show up. Fake ones don't. I'm like, is that me? Hold on. <laughs> I haven't called in a while.
2: Uh, is that me? Am I the fake friend? Did you not see one? me? I was there. <laughs> I, I liked, just left earlier. I liked your
1: tweet. Hey, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everything
2: good, Joe <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey,
0: Everything good, by the way, I'm asking this. Please do not tell me your real problems. <laughs> don't want to deal with that.
1: <laughs> right. Don't open up to me. So want to make sure if things are okay. Uh, all right, we'll come back. One more hour left. We will examine the DeAndre Hopkins' Release and talk about what teams are going to be in the DeAndre Hopkins sweepstakes. All that and more, right here on Ball Don't Lie on Wonderful Number One.